Jeff Bain with Roblin Public Radio. This is RBBR episode 148. That's 148. Uh, when the fat alien sings. Because uh, we're going to be talking about space opera. Woo! Uh, thank you, Tom, for the title. You're welcome. Uh, we're doing this episode because uh, the Red Marcus campaign we talked about previously has kind of fallen apart uh, because of real life uh, scheduling issues. Damn it, uh, real life. Yeah, damn it, real life. Uh, it's on a hiatus. We will finish it uh, at some point because Caleb still needs to finish playtesting those you know, mass combat rules. Uh, so he can kill us all. But uh, in the meantime, I went through my list of ever-growing list of games that I have bought and have not run yet. Uh, and uh, Ashen Stars came up, and Tom jumped on that immediately. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you get to be a bug person in that game. And uh, Hi, I'm Tom. Have we met, Ross? <laughs> yeah. I'm a half-ton armadillo, man. Does yeah. that count? Uh, in fact, I don't think any of the players in the game are human. Nope. Like, uh, <laughs> no, our, the witless, our captain. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the NPC more on him. Yeah, more yeah, on yeah. him later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him in the anecdotes. Um, so anyways, we're... Uh, and then, of course, we've seen... All of us, I think, by now have seen Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. So we're just kind of in a space opera mood uh, right now. So... Uh, that's what I want to talk about, and that's what we're going to talk about. It, it, it uh, space uh, opera as a genre or combination of genres, and then of course how to use them in role playing games. Uh, what we like about space operas, what we don't like about space operas, all that, all and, that fun. And we stuff. are going to talk into microphones about it. You, that yes, that that's that is what we're going to do. That's what a podcast. And is. you're going to listen to us <laughs> and either enjoy it or flame us terribly in the comments <laughs> or not talk. listen. But me, please consider our feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is more pathetic than the when we try. <laughs> uh, so uh, of course we have a bit of news. Um, I do want to talk about. Uh, I went to Patricon uh, a couple weekends ago. Uh, this God. is yes, it is a conference for Patreon creators. Uh, it was hosted by Patreon for the Patreon, you know, creators. Patreon, in other words, uh, it was in Los Angeles. I had a great time. I met a lot of other creators, uh, other podcasters. Uh, Fraser Kane, who does a astronomy podcast, um, then of course other creators as well, like uh, Bob. She runs a webcomic called The Demon Underground. Uh, which I, I looked into. I haven't, I haven't really archived binge, but it, it's about you know demons and they're underground, and it's very well drawn. That's uh, a good place for demons. Yeah, I, I apparently. Uh, and then uh, let's see here, uh, Ninja Kitty, who does <laughs> erotic art, and uh, yes, <laughs> just a lot of uh, very interesting eclectic mix of uh, artists, writers, podcasters. Singers, songwriters, uh, and of course, they had Patreon employees there who gave these workshops on how to improve your Patreon experience. I'm going to try and incorporate some of those lessons into the RPPR Patreon, so stay tuned. Uh, I'm looking into figuring out how to make the unofficial RPPR Discord into the official RPPR Patreon Discord. Uh, there's a way to do that. Um, and then there are other apps that you can integrate in there and there's other rewards. Oh, there's going to be Patreon lens, uh, which is a new feature coming out where basically it's like Snapchat, but for patrons. So I can take photos and video, uh, videos up to 15 seconds and then make them for patrons only. So I'll try to integrate it into our game sessions to where like if, you know, someone crit succeeds or crit fails, I can like do a quick little, um, recording of that. Just the reactions at the table. So when Caleb, you know, gets a sixth crit fail in the row and storms away from the table, (laughs) I could get a little video of that uh, or something like that or when we're doing war games. Um, So that's something to look forward to. Uh, And 
Yeah, uh, it, w- it was a lot of fun. Uh, met a lot of yeah, yeah, interesting speeches. Uh, there was actually one speech by James Higa, who used to work for Steve Jobs, and he talked about negotiating. And they specifically did not record that, and I can't really. They said don't like blog specifically about it. They're re- he was really like I I he talked about uh, in part the reason that he didn't want recordings of it uh, is because. He, there's this industry of death of like around Steve Jobs about people who had you know oh I had a meeting with Steve Jobs so I can tell you all about him that kind of thing uh, and so he didn't want to cash in on that so but he he talked about negotiating and that was what his speech was about and what was fascinating was how much of it applies to actually red markets like research the person you're negotiating with figure out what they're interested in uh, you know like weak spots and soft spots and appeal to that like. Whoa, those rhetorical tools are not just in the game. They actually make sense in real life. Uh, so Live your life through red markets. Yes, exactly. Buy Caleb's book. Uh, that brings me to my other bit of news. Uh, red markets. It's uh, available in print and PDF on I, uh, Indie, Press Revolution, Indie Press Revolution. It's also available in Drive-Thru RPG as a PDF uh, if you just want the PDF. Um, so... If you want to um, support Red Markets and Caleb... Uh, and who ple- doesn't? We all do. We yeah. all love Caleb. Uh, as stressed out as he has been. Uh, we're going to record a game design workshop episode where Caleb can vent and I can try to you know talk him down from the ledge uh, rap a, rap about a, shipping. Yeah. Yeah. R- rap- need some help with that one, Russ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this might have to yeah. be a full round table. Wrap a Red Cross blanket <laughs> yeah. around him. Yeah, know, bring, give him some coffee. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Coffee it, or never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely the blankets. It has to be like the end of an '80s action movie where he's sitting in the back of the ambulance with a blanket, um, staring into the middle distance. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, get get Red Markers on Drive Through RPG, or or if you want the print book. Uh, <coughs> for both, it's only fifty dollars or twenty dollars just for the PDF. So. And you buy if you buy it on Drive Through RPG, please review it because uh, that, that helps. And uh, we love reviews. We love reviews. So uh, yeah, don't forget to uh, <coughs> don't forget to rate and review uh, RPPR on iTunes and Stitcher or whatever podcasting app you're using. I I they made, Spencer's so good about doing that on the Mix Six that I never and I always forget to do that. And don't forget we have a Patreon <laughs> RPPR. Uh, patreon.com slash rppr please back our patreon um so with all that plugging out of the way uh space opera uh let's just go around the table <laughs> everyone yeah because i brought all three of you here uh you haven't had much chance to talk uh dan tell what 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 is space opera to you i mean i could just go for the tried and true standard my very first space opera growing up was in fact star wars that was star wars yeah that's it was a of- first for many people yeah uh, I mean, of course, that's that's uh, uh, in, historically speaking, there is Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, which are obviously right. inspired Star Wars. But for yeah, basically every every person who's alive today, it's Star Wars. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. Since you made me go first, I had to go for the obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, you bit that bullet for us. We thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, what is what is a space opera to you? I've been think, overthinking this one because okay. it's, it's please do it's it is a complicated subgenre. Oh, subgenres in general are complicated. All right. Yeah. Like quick a quick aside. Like cyberpunk no longer means what it originally meant. Now it just means 80s flashback with a metal arm. Something um, <laughs> and wires. I, I think space operas kind of reached a similar point of uh, semantic drift. Because um, yeah, for me, what I would always look back to, yeah, it started with Star Wars, but then I would look to Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. I actually used to watch the old serials because they were awesome. Uh, Ice pirates, stuff like I mean, you know, yeah. 
quality, quality film. Space Hunkies. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and then the more I like looked at it, I tried to, you know, I went back, I went back, went back through, tried to research the term a little bit before this because mm-hmm. um, I just assumed it was the old school pulpy, you know. There's going to be some epic combat. Mm-hmm. It turns out space opera was initially a dismissive term. Yeah, it was like a point of disregard to say you're not real sci-fi. It's just a space opera that's not crunchy enough. Uh, your yeah, villains it's not are hard sci-fi. Yeah, your villains are too evil. Your good guys are too good. The quests are too epic. And then one of the overall consensus is that I kind of picked up on is it's like a chivalric romance in space. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, it certainly has a lot of those elements. Um, Tom, uh, for me, it's. I mean, I, I mean, I think I watched Star Trek before I watched Star Wars. Okay, but I never considered Star Trek a space opera. It it it, it's it, more, it it's parts more, of it are. But I, w- I would say Star Trek veer it, it alternates. I think it's to me it's more of a procedural in space. I yeah. think yeah. For Star Trek, it depends largely on which Star Trek you're watching. <clears throat> like if you're watching Deep Space Nine or Voyager, those are more space opera e than your traditional hard mm-hmm. sci-fi Star Trek. Well, certainly the new Star Trek movies have been space opera. I think right. Um, mm-hmm. Big but, epic but struggle, epic, and also I think it has to be expansive too. Yeah, like you know, like, there's a lot of things that are cool sci-fi, but they kind of limit, limit themselves to like a single solar system. I don't consider that space opera. Uh, I, I kind of think it needs to be more expansive than that. Um, I, I think that's true too. Yeah, um, there you can't you can't really have a space opera that's confined to a single. Uh, even planet, I think. Uh, no, I think I it's got. It has to be in space. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so yeah, I, and uh, it's unpopular, but yeah, I don't consider uh, Firefly to be a space opera. Okay, it's because it's it is it's yeah. There's many planets, but it's it's one star system. I think I think it, I think it is. That's I, fine. I mean, it's because yeah. also like a, what what is a space opera is totally subjective. Yeah. Um, I think a space opera for me is a combination. It, it takes elements, uh, and it depends on what it, it, it can. Space opera el, uh, emulates multiple different genres, but not all at the same time. No, so you have to kind of like think about what <coughs> uh, space opera, what element of aspect of space opera you're looking at. Because Star Wars, for example, uh, is a great example because it it has all the different parts of space opera. It, for one thing, it does go down very low and gritty at times, like mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in uh, New Hope on Tatooine with the cantina. Uh, but even in Return well, yeah, of the it's Jedi, a, it's a whole back. galaxy, but it seems lived in. Right? Yeah, it seems lived in, but like it has um, these these you know these dirty gangsters and smugglers and crime bosses. Uh, but on the other hand, it also has – there's very much a, a, a very strong swashbuckling genre, uh, mm-hmm. element. And swashbuckling is about uh, – at its core about the the loss of the throne and like regaining the rightful – you know, a usurper taking over the throne of government and then the rightful heir reclaiming it. Like that's that's the, the plot of, of swashbuckling. Um, and in this case, it's obviously the empire versus the rebellion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that and swashbuckling obviously has sword fighting. Hey, weird uh, dueling as an element. Um, and then of course, as Sean mentions, chivalric romance. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a major element. And then roguish, uh, you know, you know, roguish types to throw in the mix. Well, that's, yeah, again, uh, swashbuckling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the first element you would categorize, I would categorize as like western. Uh, yeah. That would definitely be a major element in certainly in our post Star Wars definition of space opera. Uh, and obviously Firefly mm, really leans on that. 
uh, chivalric romance. I would that would be more like I would say Dune. Obviously, it's a space yeah. opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It is. And that would definitely be the chivalric, you know, kind of uh, how Game of Thrones kind of style. Um, not so much as I mean, there's swashbuckling in there, but swashbuckling is very much a black and white. The wrongful person is on the throne, and the rightful heir needs to get it back. Uh, I think that that's kind of the difference in in the uh, chivalric romance. Everyone's kind of driven by their passions, and you know, there's mm, there's really bad people, but even the good people are kind of bastards at times. Like King Arthur is not 100 percent good. No, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you read some of the older material. Um, yeah, so it's it downright picaresque. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of um, what part? What? So space opera is a really broad thing, and it. Uh, encompasses a lot. So uh, basically anything that's not, yeah, very hard sci-fi driven, very idea driven, like what can science and technology do? It's it's very much set dressing, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not like the spaceships are analogs for NATO <clears throat> ships, you know, uh, planets are different islands or continents, you know. So there's also like that, that fourth genre, uh, the sort of uh, master and commander, you know, naval exploration age of sale kind of fiction which of course goes into swashbuckling too so i guess mm. mm-hmm. um so yeah it's a broad thing so yeah um yeah but yeah just because there's space doesn't mean everything space opera like we were sean and i were talking about yeah chronicles of riddick is a space opera oh yeah for pitch, sure but pitch black was not oh that's a really good distinction yeah yeah, yeah. uh or, would you agree dan sure okay are you familiar with those uh, um yeah. yes of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Pitch Black, it, there was a ship, but it took place on one planet. It was one planet. Um, I mean, it, you could still... I mean, that's very... Yeah, it's, a, it's not even a Western. It would, it's a horror movie. It's like. a survival horror. So, yeah, yeah. To kind of like sidetrack this a little bit, if we're going to put Firefly in as a, uh, as a space opera, what about Cowboy Bebop? Uh, I would say, yeah. I, I kind of don't feel it. I don't, e- I, I, don't, I don't either. It feels more kind of... Um, well, okay, yeah, because it doesn't have the other elements. <clears throat> there, it's it's definitely in a space opera setting, but it's not a space opera. I mean, it's 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 interplanetary, yeah, but not heavily leaning on a lot of these bigger epic elements. It's more of a dark kind of crime series with yeah. you know some well, like you define a picaresque. You know, yeah. it's about morally ambiguous characters having morally ambiguous life journeys. You know, and it's usually <laughs> something on a smaller scale. Picaresque is something I need to I should yeah. put in the show notes because that's uh, not people are. For, for, you 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 recognize it when you see it, but oh yeah, so when you say it out loud, it's an obscure term. I think. yeah, it probably sorry. Yeah, um, no, no, no. It's is it like it, picaresque comes from like the name of the author who wrote these stories yeah. uh, mm-hmm. from like the 18th century. So yeah. I, I I only learned about it through Wikipedia. So you know, thanks Wikipedia, <laughs> thanks Hive Brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's that issue of like we could probably get sit, sit here for like hours going, is this a space opera, and then mm-hmm. arguing about it for like you know, and then uh, while, while trying to look these things up, I. Found an earlier definition, a set of definitions that, mm-hmm. de- like, immediately boots out half of what we're saying. Yeah, uh, Brian Aldis actually created a list of like ten bullet points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Aldis, a British sci-fi author, yeah, uh, OB, earned an OBE for his writing. I haven't read terribly much of his stuff, but um, he made a list of ten points. Uh, do you want me to read them off or just go over the ba- well, very g- basics? Give me give me the basics. Give me the essentials. Yeah. The essentials are pretty much, again, it, it's over-the-top action. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have some elements of, like, you know, high-flutin' swashbuckling fighting. But your villains, I think it's like villains have souls blacker than a black hole. Okay. The heroes are 
may not be pure, but their, their ultimate goal is the best good possible. You yeah, know, that kind of reclaiming thing. the air. Yeah, Entire kingdoms, or, kingdoms or nations or planets are at stake. You know, yeah, the stakes are super high. Everybody's. Oh, that's a good point. Extreme in everything. It is epic by the oldest definition of the word. Uh, she says, yeah, maybe that's why Firefly doesn't doesn't feel as much as space opera because it's not as yeah, high I mean, stakes. Because most of the time, for most of it, I mean, well, there are there are times. Oh, where, yeah, but yeah. most of the time, the stakes are how are we going to afford food for the next month? And, yeah. Well, uh, and if Red Marcus has taught us anything, those are pretty high stakes. <laughs> I know, but I'm talking like you know, as far as the galaxy is concerned, mm, steak, right? I like steak. Well, and I think that's yeah. it, the Firefly issue is similar to Cowboy Bebop. It's a space opera setting. But the characters that the story is focusing on are definitely not telling mm-hmm. a space so opera So that kind story. of brings up a distinction that I was kind of thinking about. Space opera as a setting versus space opera as a genre. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, like, even when you go to, back to Star Wars, which the main movies clearly are space opera. That oh, is, yeah. That is right. pure space opera. But the extended universe. Uh, like the Ewok adventure. That's not a space opera. <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to oh. bring that up. <laughs> What about, Fuck you. What about, that Hold was on, your, wait a minute. What about Battle for Endor? Uh, <laughs> same thing. All right, no, I'll, I'll go with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, was Battle for Endor like a whole split off thing? Or are you talking about just the part in Return of the Jedi? No, 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 no. no. There was two Ewok movies. The first okay. Ewok adventure was just the Ewok adventure, and yep. then you had the Ewok adventure. <laughs> the Battle for Endor. The Battle for Endor. Where they had space witches. Yeah. <laughs> I like the and a super that. and a super fast tiny Ewok and another guy that crash landed who had a really cool grapple hook gun. Anyway. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, grappling. It was the only the Ewoks thing. definitely like the Ewok battles in Return of the Jedi are definitely part of a space opera. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but okay, so yeah, maybe an entire movie just dealing with the battle for Endor maybe is not. Uh, I was actually thinking of like uh, years ago. I read these novels that were based on young Han Solo's career. Oh yeah, I read and, some yeah, of those. and mm-hmm. like where he's smuggling. Um, uh, fighter engines, uh, uh, the engines for uh, fighters, you know, and these are really crappy engines. And he's just like giving, selling them to the rebels. And he like he knows that these rebels are outgunned by the Tie Fighters, and the, and so he watches a battle between them, and they're all just getting <clears throat> slaughtered by the Tie Fighters or whatever. And he's like, "Yep, I feel kind of bad about this. Well, got my payment. Better go." <laughs> you know? And I was like, "That's not space opera, like in terms of that, because that that that's more of a western or a noir. That's another element now is like uh, the noir." War is kind of a uh, mm-hmm. uh, creeping into everything, creeping into everything. Yeah. Which is, I'm not going to argue against that, by the way. No, but no, no, no. I, I, I like that aspect. It's just sometimes certain elements do get pushed a little hard without it actually um, paying any kind of mind to the origins of the mm-hmm. subgenre. So, Firefly. I mean, I think in some of the episodes, it, it goes into full space opera things when they're dealing more with like. The massive empire, and then of course um, the fate I of mean, Earth, the fate of Earth, river, and all that. I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, that's spoiled. Yeah, yeah, Serenity. Serenity is a space opera movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, that's, 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 yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. The and TV I, show definitely not. As and I'm sorry for right. spoiling a over a decade old movie, folks. But oh, you know. <laughs> hot take here. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> so we have space opera as a genre and space opera as a setting. So. Uh, in terms of role-playing games, like, what does this mean for you? You know, so uh, for me, you know, I'm running Ash and Stars, which is very much a space opera. It's described as a gritty, like, it's 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 a specific setting. Like, there's, there's you know, it's not a t- total toolkit game because there's, here's the Combine. Here is this Galactic Empire. Here are these seven species you can be in. Here are specific uh-huh. names. So it's not, you you don't make up your own empire. You make right. up your own setting. But it, it's meant as a toolkit kind of thing in that you can sort of define what the game's going to be about and what the stakes are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, so we're doing space opera as a setting, not so much as a genre, because like, 
the the sort of thing I've set up it's here. A, it's one planet. It's one planet, and both two teams are helping this one planet survive a crisis. That's gonna you know first going to be little problems, and you're going to find out what the big overall problem is, and that's kind of the story arc. So it, it will it will take kind of the Firefly route where it starts small, and then by the end of it, it'll be like, oh, the implications are big. So, but speaking yeah. of noir bleeding into things, it is based in the gumshoe system. Yeah, it's yeah. Therefore, yeah. it's kind of a detective story in that respect. It's definitely yeah. It's definitely going to be a mystery. Like so, instead what of what's going on, coming straight off the farm and finding out, I've got me a laser sword and going off to go <laughs> battle the Fargon Empire. Yeah, um, you know we're we're professionals who are used to investigating. things. We're doing a job. So yeah, I guess it, it, it. So when you're wanting to do, that's the first thing is when you're wanting to do a space opera. Like, what do you mean? Like, are you doing it the genre or the setting? Um, you can because, do. I mean, you can do both. You can do kind of neither. Because even the Star Wars, like the role playing games, they have they 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 do they make that split because they have like the be the heroic rebellion. Then they have the one what's Edge of the Empire. That's uh, your smugglers and criminals and that kind of thing. Uh, wasn't that the one the game you were trying to run, Tom? Yeah, it's uh, actually there's it's uh, scoundrels and villains. Scoundrels and villains. Sorry, yeah. so, which is actually yeah, that's the like, honestly it's it's to be honest it's the kind of setting I would most like to do in Star Wars. So you're more <clears throat> not the genre, but more the setting. Yeah, again, yeah, the genre itself is I I kind of like yeah, when it, the genre I love the genre, but yeah, when it's, I'm doing a story and running a game, I like to keep it you know a little more like. You're probably not going to change the you know, the galaxy. Okay, so but yeah, you're definitely, definitely but you're definitely, definitely going to change. You're definitely going to change your lives and the lives of those okay. who are close with you. Yeah, so more of the picaresque thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, something about the lives. And I mean, yeah, because oh yeah, yeah, sp- good space operas are great settings to do stuff in. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, that stuff is amazing. Yeah, but you know, actually, I think actually in the case of Star Wars, like I think actually just playing. Uh, as members of the rebellion, might get a little old because you're just like, and uh, okay, here's your assignment this time. Well, I mean, your you can be time. part of the rebellion, but then just say you're the movers and shakers instead of like, you know, um, God, I can't even think of her name. Uh, Daisy Riddler's character, uh, Jane Erso. Yeah, yeah. Instead of her, um, well, yeah, doing the dirty work. Yeah, is, and no, no, not the dirty work. Being like the main heroes of the rebellion. Yeah, being like Mon Mothma. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Senator. Uh, Organa, or being Luke Skywalker, like right. replacing them with your characters. So, like, yeah, that gets a little tiresome. Though. Does it? Like, have we? We haven't done a whole lot of that. I mean, oh, personally, well, we haven't done it on RPPR, but I've done. I've played in a lot of Star Wars RPGs, and you run into a lot of the problems of like what canon armor is. Oh, okay, and because that's what it boils down to is that when you're dealing, the, you know, that's the bigger issue of playing in an established campaign in an established setting is that you know. I can't replace Luke Skywalker. The Skywalkers are supposed to deal with Skywalker problems. But, yeah. So what I'm saying is, like, if you're a GM, like, be aware that that's a thing. That, like, that's a thing that people think. And then, like, rip it to shreds. Be like, no, fuck it. Luke's dead. It's, you're, you're the Jedi now. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because I think... Yeah, we're we, doing... Our, we're, it's already an alternate universe. Yeah, fuck we, it. Yeah, we actually did an episode about playing in established universes. And we made said like in most in a normal game, if Darth Vader shows up, you're done fucked up. Unless you want to make it the game, yeah. Unless, but but yeah, yeah, make it make it clear that that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, make, make it a surprise to the players. But as a GM, structure the game just like Darth Vader's just another boss. Like he's you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the escape. Yeah, and the escape from Cloud City. You're watching the Millennium Falcon leave. And it's shot down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Millennium Falcon turns around and blows up Cloud City because like because they're player characters and they're fucking murder. <laughs> yeah. uh, Net twenty. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> like it's just practice for the next Death Star run because you mean, know you're making another one now. So, anyways, uh, or you know, you just have the SS blaster rifle, exactly. Yeah. So. Or the Emperor just has a heart attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, dude, the dude's old. Well, I mean, that's not very space operating. It happens. But no, it's, uh, if you want to shake up the system, the yeah, world, yeah. unless you, you unless the players use the force to give him a heart attack, you know, or they drug him. That's yeah. total dark side, though. Uh, well, yeah. So. So I feel like that's the first bit of real advice. Feel free to rip the, the uh, if you're using an established setting, feel free to rip it up and be like, if you want to do space opera as a genre, that's what you have to do is rip it up mm-hmm. and be yeah. like, now, of course, you're like, the uh, movies and shakers. That's what well, the genre is about. But, uh, but the genre that if you're going to do that, start them at like, you're the, you're, yeah, you're the rookie from where, from whatever. T- oh yeah. Yeah. No, no you're no a nowhere. moisture farmer. Yeah. Dirk, dirt farmer. Yeah. yeah. You're Kevin, moisture you're farmer. Kev- moisture farmer. You're Sean. Kevin star chaser. <laughs> Kevin star chaser. Exactly. Moisture farmer. With and, by the t- and by the time, and, and by the time you're done, yeah, you're you know you're plowing you're you're plowing a giant antimatter bomb down the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, trees. yeah. The the whole hero's yeah. journey from levels one to twenty, uh, mm-hmm. or one to ten, or whatever the. <laughs> that's that's what the hero's journey is, isn't it? Right, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me this belly of the beast bullshit. Uh, <laughs> it's me. Yeah. Fucking Joseph Campbell, fucking grinder, and uh, Maxer. So whoa uh, there, whoa there, Blue Falcon. Uh, so I, I'm, but I, on the other hand, like. Some players, of course, aren't going to like that because you know uh, that that's going to be sort of the, the challenge is making sure everyone's on board. With, like you, we're going to ignore the cannon, and you guys are the heroes. Well, I mean, and you're going to be fighting. Darth that's Vader. of course if you have a cannon, you can make yeah. up your entirely uh, an entire. That's the other setting. point. Yeah, and if you're going for specifically for the genre, you just use other setting points as like stand-ins, and then change a few of the names, a few of the details. Yeah, come up with your own twists. That's easy enough. If you're trying to do a in setting only, suddenly the world building is probably going to get a lot trickier. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot more nuanced. Uh, you're going to have to come up with what the average schmo does every day instead of worrying about, I am Space Knight. I do Space Knight things to save the well, space throne. I mean, there, there's the, yeah, I mean, you can think about what kind of, how much world building you want to put into. Uh, but if, you, if you're using an established setting that isn't like as well known as Star Wars, like I'm using Ashen Stars, which is an established setting, but no one's going to be like, "Oh, Senator Blah Blah." blah. Uh, that better be a person. That now. it is now. Uh, so if I run my dream game of uh, an actual play of Ice Pirates, uh, you're all on board, right? Yeah, <laughs> and we're not going to know. Like, aha, this is this character who is really uh, Ron Perlman's character. And you, you won't even know about you know Space Pimp. I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> or well, we would know about space herpes. Yeah. Well, everybody knows about that. Yeah. <laughs> everybody has space herpes. Well, it's mostly the sh- it's, it's just the ship. Yeah. <laughs> so you you yeah. So feel free to like uh, uh, mess up with the setting or just use a less well known like basically don't use Star Wars yeah. or Battlestar Galactica or any of the things Babylon we- Five that kind but of. But if yeah. your players insist, yeah, you could probably get away with Babylon Five. Well, okay, but if your players insist, then yeah, screw with it. Well, I mean, yeah. So that's if you want to do it as a genre. If you're just using it as a setting, then yeah, leave in Luke and all the other people and just have them be there as background characters. Because again, or just. Yeah. Accelerate into a part of the Star Wars timeline where that doesn't matter anymore. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, the, or in the past, the Knights of the Old Republic. Route. It's yeah. another part of the galaxy, way the hell over there. <laughs> yeah. We're on the other outer rim, yeah. doing other things. Where there's rem- like remnants of the Empire or the outer fringe of the Empire who are less organized. No. You know, yeah, lazy. So storm, yeah, lazy. Yeah. Storm Carve out course. your own territory. In other words, yeah. right. Um, so I, I guess that's the first thing. Is like, are you doing genre or setting? And then like. If you're doing genre, they have to be players have to be movers and shakers, and then, uh, or at the very least, they have to end up that way. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, well, they start out. I mean, even when they're level one, they're the heroes of legend. Or, I mean, they're the the, the prophesized hero. You know, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker was like what level two or three by the time he he nat twenty the Death Star uh, in New Hope. I mean, he was not. Uh, I think five? he was level six. <laughs> Because he's only real. He's, he'd only been through one dungeon, the Death Star. Like that's that's a lot of levels. Hey, for he went through the whole Moss Eisley scene. Okay, and so he dealt with the okay, sand okay, a social <laughs> scene. He was also given a specific training. So maybe four, level four, like four like, to five. Yeah, I actually used to know this when I actually owned the five <laughs> Star Wars books. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Well, I, he I starts. Th- he ends Jedi at like level seventeen or eighteen. Well, sure. I mean, there've been well, okay. In the second two movies, okay, there's a lot okay. of off-camera well, training scenes. I knew, oh, yeah. okay, a new hope. He's at least level five because then he can now start a prestige class. <laughs> um, We're not using fucking D twenty rules for this, Tom. Uh, oh, wait, Maybe are, you're are, not. Are we going yeah. to West End Games? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Uh, so, man, that'd be something to run. I th- don't, don't, never, no. What, the West End? No, God, this, it's terrible. I remember playing West End Star Wars, I but played, I was like 12 at the time. I mean, that's why, that's the that's the origin of the extended universe. I know, I know, okay, listen, it's interesting in its placement, but but the actual system itself is an atrocity. Wild die. Uh, <laughs> I don't use the Force. I don't care, you're getting a dark side point because you're being a dick. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> Wait, I'm not you know they, there's an open game lesson version of the D6 system now? They, they tried to bring it back. Oh, well. Yeah. Some things are not meant to come back. Apparently. Uh, so I think the next thing is obviously, aside from, so the heroes start out low and they work their way up regardless. Uh, but the villains, uh, obviously if you're doing genre versus setting, uh, if you're like, you know, looking at cowboy bebop villains, they're, they're fucked up people, but they're criminals and gangsters and crazy people. Like they're yeah. not... Uh, Darth Vader. They're not forces of nature, except for the one for Spike's main rival. But yeah, that's an anime convention, yeah. and it, he he is meant to be everybody's bad, badass. As Spike, only that he the big count, a big foil for him is that Spike tries to keep things low key. Yeah, his rival is like so fuck extra. you. I will I will take over the mob. Yeah. by killing people with a sword. Yep. Uh, Here's my bird. But so if you're doing a if RPG, like you, the villains also have to be the, their presence has to be well known. I think. One diff- big difference between a lot of tabletop RPGs and fiction in general is that in RPGs, <laughs> GMs tend to avoid letting the players have any sort of interaction with main villains uh, because <laughs> it's like I shoot him in the head as soon as I see him. And I, Pretty much, I spend yeah. all my points and resources to get a nat 20. Fuck you. He's dead. Like players are what? really, yeah, really fucking not, pragmatic. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. PCs do Ross. <laughs> you really should introduce the villain of your Ashen Stars campaign to us right away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's ways to do it if you do it right. It's well, just it's, issue, it has to be a twist kind of thing. So one thing, the villains have to be really fucking extra in in the space opera genre. They have to be really dramatic. They have to be really passionate about what they do. They have to be really fucking evil or think that they're really fucking right, and they have to do anything you know yeah. by any means necessary. Which is almost a more compelling kind of evil. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. going to blow up this planet because it is a fucking cesspool. Yeah, yeah. You know, as opposed to I'm doing it because I'm evil. No, oh, you know. Uh, or this planet's full of traitors. So, I mean, people bitch about Kylo Ren being super angsty, but, you know, that's that's basically what... I mean, he, he's following the tradition of what uh, Anakin was doing in the... the yeah, the he's pre- a, uh, yeah, he's a baby Vader. Well, yeah, yeah. he's doing it better, though. Yeah, <laughs> and, and think of, like, uh, the Flash Gordon Buck Rogers, or was it... Uh, Ming the Merciless. Flash. Yeah, yeah, Ming the Merciless. Yeah. yeah, he's super fucking extra. He's really dramatic about everything. I'm going Although, to crash a plane. I don't know. Have yeah. you seen, as far as Star Wars goes with Kylo Ren, have you seen the... Uh, 
mock-up of all the Star Wars posters so far. No. And how in The Last Jedi, Luke is the big looming face in the background. Oh, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. And every other one has had the villain in that spot. True. But yeah, now as far as the, yeah, being the merciless, I'm going to crash a planet into another planet because fuck you, that's why. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One thing is, like, obviously some tricks you can do to, to avoid the players immediately attacking the villain regardless of whether or not it makes sense at that time like oh we're at a diplomatic council and everyone is supposed to talk their problems and maybe we can come to peace the villain shows up with his aunt retinue i take out my concealed laser sword and decapitate him what you start uh, off don't call him the villain yeah. just name drop a person a diplomat from somewhere else yeah and then just note on the way out he kicks a puppy you know well <laughs> well the other thing is there are because it's a space opera thing you know there's technology and you can have like for example <laughs> One one staple is the the uh, the uh, speech of the villain, and so like have them broadcast speeches and uh, things like that. Ah, our glorious <laughs> empire shall destroy yeah, our enemies. That, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be them, but yeah, their presence has to be everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's Dweenar, like, they'll say we shall crush the rebellion. Yeah, and have like, Dweenar. <laughs> Dweenar, the evil <laughs> so space wizard. And also, yeah, yeah, and have like posters of them all over. Exactly. Uh, yeah, propaganda posters. Or if you yep. want the big bad to show up on some level in, in, in like. Independent of actually physically appearing, the players come up on the after. Star Wars kind of did this on the aftermath of a terrible, terrible act. Yes, that's another that is thing. Pointedly perpetuated by the main, you know, the, the main villain's right hand man, whatever. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, that's another one. Is also the henchman. Um, mm-hmm. Have henchmen show up and be like the the punching bag for the players. Um, to like. Yeah, the main thing, the fa- you need to do face-to-face things, but, like, the players should earn that face-to-face confrontation with the villain. And to structure it so that, like, let assume they're going to try and, you know, laser sword them immediately, but make it really fucking hard for them to do that. And give the, the – the, you could also do fake-outs like holograms and robot duplicates and shit like that because uh, they're fucking villains. They're going to be assholes like that. Or have them have it happen in a very public space with a lot of heavy guard. Yeah, yeah. And so like the like players – Not even the evil guards, the good guy guards. Yeah. And the bad guy's there, but he's not doing anything wrong. So it's kind of like assaulting somebody in front of a police station. They may be they may be a total douchebag, but uh, the main thing, the differences between an RPG and the fiction is that in the fiction, the main characters, you know, are not like lemmings that jump at the nearest opportunity to die in spectacular for fashion. It, but in RPGs, players are like yeah, I can just make another laser wizard, laser jockey, laser jockey. Yeah, I, I attack the space shark, yeah, major space. lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. So the yeah players don't give a shit if their character lives or dies to a certain degree. If it's worth it, you know. Yeah. So if it proves a point, you know, if they're petty, or if it annoys the GM, yeah. or if that's a shark worth dying on. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And my, so look at that shark right there, Ross. Yep. That's one worth dying over. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. So. Um, so the villains have to be really extra. You have to have uh, established the stakes pretty early, very high stakes. Um, then you at scale, like you need to have a variety of settings, mm-hmm. uh, not just geography, but also sort of like thematically. Like yeah. well, uh, you have a desert crime planet. You, you have to have a desert planet. Yep, always city planet. <laughs> okay, city yeah. planet. Uh, so yeah, video game level tropes. You know, fire planet, ice planet, yeah, blah, as- blah. asteroid belts, uh, and then thematically crime planet, utopia planet. 
uh, factory planet. Uh, false utopia planet. False utopia planet. <laughs> Always fun. Yeah. Uh, do both utopia and false utopia. And then like, do the false utopia first and then hit the utopia. They're <laughs> yeah. fuck about everything. Uh, crime yeah. planet that's actually utopia. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm liking that one. Yeah. yeah. Everything's perfect here. Just don't go in that room over there. Hunger Games planet. I mean, Battle Royale planet. I mean. Arena planet. The arena planet. Yeah. War world. War world. That's another one. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you get the idea. So, like, the players should have to be going from planet to planet to planet. And ships are really important. Uh, ships are really important because um, they do take the swashbuckling thing of, like, lots of different islands or continents, i.e. planets. Mm. And so there's, yeah, uh, space battles, that's another thing. Uh, uh, at least one boarding action. Yeah. Boarding action. The bad guy's like, ships have to be gigantic and intimidating. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they have to be very pointy. Uh, it's a very, a very important thing. Good guy, good guy's ships are more rounded. Bad guy's yeah. ships, pointy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, that is a thing. That is a thing. Um, that is very much a thing. So yeah, uh, ha- and have a variety of different adventure types too. Not just like we're going, to, we're doing boarding action number eighteen. I mean, dungeon crawl eighteen. A psychic parasite yeah. is uh, stowed away on our ship, and we have to find it before it's too late. Well, I mean, look yeah. at Star Wars. First, it goes uh, from Luke's point of uh, uh, adventure. First, he's investigating these droids. And he's just like, oh, I'll talk to the local hermit. He might know about these droids and what their their message. Uh, and then it's like, oh, we have to go, you know, escape. We, and so it's running away from the bad guys. And then it's uh, the dungeon crawl. Like we have to get through this uh, where we have to infiltrate this hardened dungeon, uh, get the prisoner out, and then escape. And then it's like, oh, and now the dungeon's coming for us. And now we're having the big ass battle at the end. So like, it's a variety. It's multiple different adventure types. Uh, just in a new hope. So investigation to dungeon crawl to dogfight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you you could do similar. You know, for then in you know uh, Empire Strikes Back, it's you know starting with the military. Uh, it starts with a survival story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, survival. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. It mm-hmm. starts with a survival story. Then it starts with the uh, battle that you know you're going to lose. Yeah, and you're just buying time. Yeah, the heroic uh, uh, rear guard action. Rear guard action. Yeah. yeah. So and then and then your group's at its lowest. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you, yeah, and then you do the whole find someone who knows how to solve your problem. Another investigation. Everybody, another everybody investigation. lays low. Yeah. yeah. In fashion. So. So that's another thing is like having a variety uh, uh, of adventure types. Um, so that's that's sort of important because you don't want to do the same thing because a lot of and it's really easy, especially in RPGs, to like dungeon crawl of the week or you know murder mystery of the week, um, monster of the week. Hey, uh, but that's that's sort of that's another story. Yeah, um, I think also having a variety of player archetypes that are valid. Uh, Star Wars does have the problem that the Jedi's are more powerful than the other characters, and every RPG based on Star Wars has had this problem. Because uh, it's all about the Jedi and everyone else is sort of the their retinue, they're kind of or in other uh, words, the Jedi are the magic users. Yeah, and every every other class sucks. So you, you can do better, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So like in Ashen Stars, there is a, a psychic, mystic uh, uh, character type, but um, there I we'll see how well they're they, balanced. They, they look pretty relatively nerfed because you have to invest so much into the yeah. boss model. And I can res and I can resurrect, but I have to invest <clears throat> points into that. Right, and that's that. Yeah. So uh, also lots of alien species. I mean, you could do or character backgrounds like it maybe. Because again, I would say like Battlestar Galactica always qualify as a space opera. Uh, yeah. The original, especially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's two versions. Yeah, one is, yeah, the original, the 70s version is super space opera. Uh, they, they at one point go to a planet that's literally an old Western set they were reusing, okay? Yeah. 
Come uh, on. <laughs> that's what we're doing for Ashen Stars, by the way. Awesome. Uh, um, it's awesome. Set. Yeah. Uh, well, there's synth cultures, which are basically resort planets that went native, essentially. So imagine people who are, this This is our Westworld planet. And then the war happened, so we're isolated. So our, we now we are, all got together, we decided we're going to fucking LARP all the time. <laughs> You're going to be in character, and if you don't be in character, we imprison you. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. Huh. Um, that's Nerds. A, yeah, basically. Uh, but then, of course, their their society rebels. Some people are like, we don't want to be cowboy cosplayers the rest of our lives. Uh, and that kind of nice. thing. So, like, well, you shouldn't have moved here then. Um, so you don't have... So aliens are a really good way of doing this, alien species. But if not, have a lot of different ways for characters to differentiate themselves. Uh, even in Firefly, uh, you have... You use social class. Everybody you know. has a role. Yeah, a specific yeah. role on the ship, which is kind of a very game group thing to do. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could... You can... Uh, but they, their backgrounds are varied, too, is what I'm oh, talking yeah, no, about. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. You have, like... But, yeah, a, sh- but a ship's crew is a great way to... To differentiate the different crew members. Yeah, no, it's it's the closest thing I, I can think of to like the classic RPG uh, class roles. You know, tank, uh, healer, mechanic. Uh, yeah, damage, direct damage dealer. You know, i.e., wizard, nuker, whatever you want to support, call it. Support pilot. Uh, yeah, support. Um, so yeah, in, in the ship, you you want to have the pilot, you want to have the gunner, you want to have uh, the engineer, and then of course the doctor, and then blah blah blah. So, um, so give characters not only a class, some sort of specific role in the, on uh, for the team, but also uh, give them the chance to have a lot of different backgrounds that really make their characters interesting. So again, Firefly, you have like the 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 doctor on the run, the high class rich guy, and you know his sister, who's the experimental test subject, you know, uh, a mysterious uh. person, and then you have the. You know the veterans, and then you know then the 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 uh, preacher. You know uh, veterans, mercenaries, yeah. preachers, yeah. former criminals, yeah. So prostitute chain. So and Jesus. that's you know all with just humans. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. you with aliens, you you could have multiple. You know you could have um, like I'm the traditional alien, or I'm the rebel alien who's uh, rebelling against my traditional ways. You know and that kind of thing. So um, yeah. yeah, a lot of different variety. Um, so I like to pretend to be human, <laughs> uh, and also yeah, space opera in tone. Um, we haven't really talked about tone. Uh, like Battlestar Galactica is a really good example of that because the the original is kind of a campy. Uh, it, it, having Star Wars fun. It has yeah. some it has some real dark moments, but usually it's problem of the week. Yeah. We stop off at this planet. Here's the, here's the theme. Here's the problem, and then Cylons show up, yeah. or they were already there. And the new one is very. Large meta plotty, yeah. rather dark, paranoid kind of stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, it's almost not like it's more of the setting than the genre. I mean, I would, yeah, uh, it it rides that line to where the new Battlestar Galactica is more like a soap opera in space than it is a space opera. Yeah, even though that was the origin of the term of space <laughs> opera. But like, especially towards the end, it gets more space opera with uh, the higher stakes and right. the, the the fate of human species, and also the the crazy bullshit that they have at the end. Um, but we won't get into that. Um, but like, I'm also thinking Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's definitely a space opera. Oh yeah, because <laughs> uh, a space opera run. Taika Waititi does comedy, so he runs it as a comedy specifically, yeah. which is really cool. I love it. So yeah, but it's also but as a genre, it's genre of space opera. Oh like, yeah, not just oh, setting. Yeah. Uh, because it's about reclaiming the throne. It's right. about reclaiming the rightful. You know, there there's a usurper. First it's Loki, and then it's Hela, 
uh, and then like dealing with Hela sitting on the throne and in being in control and saving the people of Asgard. Even uh, though technically she is the rightful one to sit on it. Yeah, well, in the legal sense, but not in the moral sense. Right. Because she's, you know, a genocidal maniac. The tradition was broken and altered by the king at the time, and yeah. she was not the right fit. Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, the king made the moral choice, not the legal choice, and that's and now it's yeah. everything. Sorry, Joffrey should not be king. Yeah, exactly. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty worse, sure. worse can happen. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> But yeah, it handles it very uh, humorously. I read an article talking about how um, the director's approach was based on sort of his Maori culture, where it's the person who's getting ins- the person who's being made fun of is the person trying to be smart or cool. So whenever Thor's trying to outsmart uh, the Grandmaster, being cool or better than anyone else, he's ridiculed. But when he becomes more humble and more accepting, you know, like he does better. So yeah, you know. actually, mm-hmm. um, article is really good. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like. Beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. No, but, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Thor Ragnarok? Uh, I mean, you still also have gritty elements, too, like fucking Valkyrie's backstory. Right. Um, I mean... And Doug. Poor Doug. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it's played for a lot. And again, but, uh, the fact there's also dive bars and shit. Yeah, again, getting, like, in the cantina, gritty mm-hmm. elements. So. And just why, uh, like, I'll talk about the, uh, the, new, the first new Star Trek movie. Yeah. Uh, what did it for me is just... And it's there's a scene where they go to a diner, well not a diner, but like a pub. There's like oh, a yeah. bar, a bar and grill. And it's like it's got. You're talking about the uh, the sort of back story when they're still building the Enterprise. Uh, and Kirk's no, I mean, at, yeah, yeah, when, yeah when, Kirk, when Kirk's in the academy. But yeah, there's yeah. literally like, besides the advanced technology, this could be any bar and grill you know, in America right now. Hmm? Just yeah, the menus are holographic and they have TV and entertainment from other planets, but it's still. Yeah, a, a grease. A, it's still a burger and you know, burger and fries place. Yeah, Cardassian sunrise. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, it's again that variety of settings. You need to have a very <clears throat> broad setting universe. I was going to say for the Thor Ragnarok, Rock, one of the things that really helps with the, with the variety of settings is <coughs> we jump from Earth, very right, you know, Earth. We fucking know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but they show some like different varieties of it. They show us New York. They show us uh, Norway. The fjords it's in Norway. Yeah, very different places. Um, that's a good point, yeah. And then they make a broader jump by going from the fjords to Asgard. And then from Asgard to... Uh, Scar. Yeah. Sakar. It's a Sakar, which is like... It isn't just a junk world. It is this boxy, pink plastic, you know, pastel plasticky junk world. Mm-hmm. You know, bright colors and all that. But it's still junky. Run by a guy who doesn't come off as super noble or ignoble. <laughs> He's... Just kind of a selfish prick. He's just yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's yeah. Jeff Goldblum, and he's he's more of the uh, uh, Job of the Hut kind of style right. overlord. Without without the whoa, whoa, whoa. well, I mean yeah, different he, style, but yeah. like functionally. <clears throat> but I mean, and I think a lot of what helps sell this is the fact that thir- like, a petty tyrant. Yeah. Again, a lot of the direction yeah. of uh, direction of the at, play, playing out of the characters, where it's more. Uh, it was done as a lot of uh, uh, what's the word? Shit. Ah, improvised. A lot of it was really oh, improvised. Yeah. Great word to get caught up on. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it was very improvised, uh, which kind of the undercut, yeah, yeah. which undercuts the previous Thor movies, where it's this like like the comics, the pseudo Shakespearean BS. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of helped us step away from Asgard more easily. Yeah, and so we kind of get a mass like a meta, a meta shifting of worlds and a direct shifting of worlds, but it's like really well balanced. Um. Yeah, I'm actually by having this discussion, I'm realizing I need to like 
have my Ash and Cyrus game move to other planets. Like, you're all going to be saving this one planet, but in order to do so, I'll have to have jobs on other planets. So you'll have to go... I mean, in the first job, like, your players are going to the moon uh, of the planet, so that's something. But yeah, I've realized now I'm going to have to branch out a little farther. Or does the mm-hmm. entire planet have to be the same theme park? Um, no. It, no. It, sometimes going to a different part of the same planet, you can attest to this, is like going to another fucking planet. Yeah, like in Sakaar, uh-huh. even. Like, first you have the junkyard, which is very junky. Yeah. Uh, then you have the slave pits. Uh, which are kind of junky? Well, you also, well, actually, first you have Grandmaster's Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very high end. Yeah. Then the slave pits. Then the arena. Then the streets of Sakar, which are like this dense metropolis with uh, or city with these uh, you know, festivals. Sh- kind and, of a weirdly shabby chic kind of aesthetic to it. Yeah, yeah. Which I kind of like. So you know. Um. So yeah, it, it a lot of variety in in Sakar itself. Yeah. So um, I mean, I think we can stay on the same world. It's just. There might be there's a western area on the opposite side of the planet. There might be something radically different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, even Asgard at different places. Yeah, that's you know, true. The, the, you know, the you had that massive forest. Yeah, and yeah. that fortress. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, variety is the spice of life when it comes to the space opera, and then just very heroic stakes. Uh, some sort of uh, if you're doing the genre it has to be again about lawful government and usurpers you know like uh, bad people being in charge essentially and you know taking that back. So uh, n- normally do that through monarchy, you know, the crown. But, you know, because um, even at the end of Thor Ragnarok, uh, spoiler alert, you know, Thor wins and, you know, he's Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there is sort of like, uh, you know, a, a new civil order. Uh, based on it, um, so yeah, I guess we're getting a little bit kind of spoilery territory. Uh, but mm. you already gave away the biggest spoiler, Ross. What Thor wins? What? <laughs> yeah, a Marvel superhero movie where the hero uh, of the the, the same after it wins. This is a false flag operation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just trying. To, um, we were paid by Marvel. Let's see here. Anything else? Um, yeah, you, you guys will find out that RPPR got bought out by Disney last week. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a loot podcast. Uh, <laughs> you get a random podcast if you spend too long. No. Uh, so we are... Um, one other thing is also lots of... Not just the villains have to be really extra. I think a lot of the minor characters have to be pretty like colorful. like In terms of like standing out. Because you can't just have... You know, generic good guys or bad guys. You have to have really uh, in Star Wars. Obviously, um, they wear their they wear their entire character on their sleeve. Yeah, including the name. Episode two had Sleaze Bagano trying yeah. to sell people death sticks. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, or Han Solo. Like I stand. Alone. Well, he's a main character, but Chewbacca is mm-hmm. a pretty like. He's very he stands out in a crowd, uh, shall we yeah. say? Um, but uh, even uh, Lando, you know, uh, he, like he's a complex character, interesting character, but very dramatic, very uh, uh, very memorable. From the first moment we meet yeah. him, he pulls an over dramatic, you know. Tournament. Who wants a beer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say the original. He yeah. just like starts off with you know you scum sucking low down, yeah, and then how are you doing? You know, uh, Flash Gordon in the <laughs> movies, of course, had the uh, uh, burn the. The Brian Blessed's character, the Hawk General guy, yeah, um, the best character in the entire movie. Exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. See, that's oh. what I mean. So, like, everyone needs to be really like dramatic. So, um, I know for my Ashen Stars games, I have like cowboys, people who are rebelling against the cowboy cultures, and then people who are worshiping um, a dead hero from the war. Like, they're called uh, the hero was Karin, 
And so they're the Karenites, and they, they believe that she's a messiah. So basically, I'm picturing her as, uh, uh, they're worshiping essentially a dead player character, a, a dead mm. shepherd. You nice. know, like, She turned into three different colored energy beams, and we think she'll come back and save the galaxy again. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the future DLC, you know, what, she'll be yes. riding a gorilla that wears a jerk. Divine and life shoots. channel. That's what <laughs> DLC means. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so very, very sort of... Uh, Characters that pop out, you know. Uh, obviously, Firefly has a lot of those too. Like that crazy bounder hunter talks to himself. Is that right? You know that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, and then Cowboy Bebop is filled with them. Uh, well, yeah. And then even the damn dog. Yeah. So um, yeah, things have to be larger than life. I think that's the biggest takeaway from that. Yeah. Um, it has to be the opera side of it. Yeah. Don't worry about the science at all. Because uh, space opera, all the it science works, it is works because addressing. it works because yeah, you have warp drives and laser swords, nano machines, son. <laughs> yeah, um, this is why Eclipse Phase is definitely not space no, opera. No, it's not. Um, yeah. Even though it takes a place throughout the galaxy, thanks to the Pandora Gates, which are hand wavium sci fi bullshit. Uh, aliens did it, uh, but. Eclipse Phase is definitely not because one thing, there's a lot of X, you know, they take these sci-fi, okay, if you have this technology, you can do this, this, and this, and this, and that would totally fuck up society and be really weird, you know, like, if you have, um... If you could change bodies. Yeah, if you could change bodies, if you could just copy your mind and, you know, infinitely fork yourself, um... And there's obviously, for one thing, there's no one lawful government or one lawful evil empire. There's multiple. Uh, it, it's about exploring different forms of governance. You know, everything from anarchy to uh, fascist. You know, totalitarian governments. Uh, to give fascism a chance. Yeah. No. Never. Uh, Note to self: Run Eclipse Phase game with Fork Family Reunion. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Eclipse Phase is definitely not Medea's a, Fork Family Reunion. Oh God, Jesus. no! <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> so uh, Eclipse Phase is trying to be more of the the sort of Star Trek the TV show uh, style. Um, the science kind, of, kind of kind of that hard sci fi procedural approach. or noir yeah. or survival horror. So it's it. I mean, I could see you may, twisting Eclipse Phase to become space opera, but I think you'd have to go through the gates, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, yeah, it would definitely be like an exoplanet thing. Like, um, yeah, you'd have to re- ignore. I a lot mean, of taming a space whale seems like a pretty great space <laughs> opera. You don't need to tame them; they're intelligent. They're literally sapient beings. Like, so negotiating. They're scientists. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's go swim around the sun. Yeah. See that could be a space that could be a space opera thing swimming around the sun and stuff like that. <coughs> but um, yeah, so that's kind of what we've been talking about. Uh, space operas they're cool and I mean, fun, and there have been plenty of RPGs that have tried to do it in the past. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the Star Wars one. There was one actually literally called Space Opera, I think, published in 1980. Mm-hmm. TSR dipped into that pool with uh, Star Frontiers. Mm-hmm. I actually have somewhere the Alpha Alpha Dawn box set. Spelljammer. I st- Okay, this one's a. This it could a be bigger question. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Spelljammer kind of uses that reverse Clark's law logic, mm-hmm. where sufficiently advanced magic resembles technology. <laughs> yeah, um, there was actually a D twenty supplement for that. Um, but no, I mean one space opera game that I wish I still had a copy of. I bought it for like two bucks at a Hastings. Was uh, Spaceship Zero? Oh, was that the one that's all in one spaceship? Uh, no, no, Spaceship Zero was done in the. I think very I very beginning else. of the 2000s. Um, it was basically, the conceit was, it was an RPG based off of an old radio show, which turns out to be revealing the true history of the 
universe oscillation before us. <laughs> and uh, it was very mythos heavy, actually. Only mm. used the mythos in a very Flash Gordon sort of way. The Cthulhu mythos? Yes. Nice. So they, it wasn't deep ones. They were frog. They were fish people from the Frog Star. <laughs> um, and it was totally over-the-top old radio drama to, you know, televised serial version of, uh, you know, space opera with mythos elements. Interesting. And they went with standpoints and everything. In fact, the guys that developed it were the main people behind the band um, Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same people. I know one of those. Yeah, so there you go. I'm just saying that was one that I saw a long time ago, picked up on the cheap and went, man, if I was gaming at the moment, this would be pretty, this might actually be kind of fun. (laughs) It's dumb, but it's fun. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a ton of different games to do it in. Um, I would say Spelljammer could be a s- space opera if you run the right campaign. Like, oh, this space elf kingdom is being overthrown by a lich. Go help the space pr- elf prince, or you are the space elf prince and his buds, and you have to go reclaim your throne. See, that's a space opera. Or one yeah. element could be you have to rescue the evil illithid empire is threatening to blow up a you know large cruiser that somehow got lost in the Flotchiston, and they're threatening to <laughs> light it on fire, and you have to go rescue them. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, so yeah, by itself though, there's not really an implied <clears throat> super conflict that would be the space genre setting. I mean, space genre genre is a type of plot more than anything yeah. else. Yeah, I mean, well, you, so, do, you do have the evil illithid empire. Yeah, that's like a good story. There is an evil empire, but yeah, so you just have to add the good empire to contrast against it. Why can't you say those <laughs> words together, Ross? Evil illithid empire. Evil illithid empire. There you go. You can't okay. beat them if you can't say uh, it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we'll be back with shoutouts and anecdotes. Yay. I'm oh, probably going to uh, put in some dramatic music for that. So ooh, ooh. Not, not we don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, not even Vaporwave. So what? I, actually, it's I, Epic Wave. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, I actually don't use Vaporwave that much uh, as music for these uh, episodes. Uh, I've been doing a lot more jazz and stuff like that. Well, that's so, actually really good. So. Um, I'm just having variety. It's just, you know, Dude, trying are, to introduce are, you guys to new music. Are you uh, going to use some space jazz? Uh, if I could find space jazz, I would do that. Just, so don't, call, comments. just space don't, call, don't call it by the name Lucasfilms. Um, <laughs> anyways, we should do, get into the shout outs. <laughs> uh, my first one is going to be a game that I have not yet played. Uh, I'm planning to make Sean, I'm going to make Sean learn how to play it. Uh, and then Runner Forest. Uh, this is uh, uh, Conspire. Uh, it's a role playing game from uh, Alex uh, Jarabek and Jake uh, Briish. Uh, it's tagline is Control the World, One Story at a Time. It's a hidden role uh, storytelling game. Uh, players develop uh, into any moment of a conflict and just create conspiracy theories about it. So very Illuminati, upset the powerful, seize the power, play, conspire. So, so uh, bust and, out my Robert Anton Wilson on this shit? Or? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's very much <laughs> Illuminatus trilogy. Uh, some Schrodinger's cat up in there? Yeah, uh, right. Church of Subgenius kind of like, Get get us get it get crazy. So go discordian. Um, so it's a storytelling game, not a role playing game specifically. So uh, we all have roles in it. So I think I think it plays a little like Quiet Year or something like that in terms of like us collaboratively making a story. I don't know. I've I've not had time to read the rules that carefully. Uh, that's why I'm making John do it. Oh, okay, uh, but we'll record it. We'll record at least one game of. We really like it. We'll do more, but we'll definitely do one because uh, they were nice enough to send a review copy. So, anyways, uh, Dan, you've also got something new. I 
doo. And it's perfect for space opera day. It is. Uh, so tell, what is it? Well, I finally got my hands on a copy of Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Woo! After failing to secure one at Gen Con this year. And so, <laughs> so I'm going to be making people play it with me at some point. Um, so I'm just going to pass the books around. Who wants the lore book Ooh. with all the art? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. First. Show me pictures. Um, the learn to play, which is the rules you need to know. Jeez. And then the actual rules reference book. All of it has art, guys. It's fine. Yeah, so okay, so three booklets. Uh, how heavy is the box? I mean, it's a pretty large box. Uh, it's about as heavy as the original one was. I've is it as heavy five, as... Five, seven pounds? Is it as heavy as the Orient Express uh, supplement for Call of Cthulhu? Probably heavier than that. Okay, yeah. wow. okay so more than that. So like ten pounds. So you could, yeah. you could like kill somebody with that thing. Well, and they added some weight to it because if, you know, I can show you after we're done, they actually put in a plastic insert that lets you organize things to a degree. Ooh. Whereas the box for Third Ed was just this soft cardboard layer that had a trench in it for you to put the little box that held all the cards in. Oh, fun. That just kind of buckled under the weight of the rest of the game. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I like how that there's, there's become this sort of third-party aftermarket for uh, board game organizers because oh, yeah. uh, there's been Kickstarters <laughs> for these kind of things. Um, yeah, it's getting to the point where you need to get like specialized accessories just to keep the shit in track. There are several tackle sev- boxes don't ha- handle it anymore. There were several booths dedicated to specific types of types of boxes at Gen yeah. Con. One of them had, and they, a lot of them had like special innovations or craftsmanship kind of work. You know, thing like. But you, but it sounds like you don't need that now. So. Not at least not right away. <laughs> uh, are there expansions yeah. coming? They haven't said yet. Like they <laughs> were there ones for the previous edition. Yes, there were okay. two expansions. So uh, probably. Yeah. Well, the first expansion allowed up to eight players, and I was actually watching a documentary on the development of TI 4th Edition yesterday. It's only 40-some minutes long. Um, did they, did the, the company make it, or did uh, someone independent make it? Someone independent made it, but they interviewed. They did constant interviews for like the two years leading up to its release. Wow. Yeah. And they talked about the history of TI and all that fun stuff. Um, I will find it and send it to you. Yeah, we'll put it in the show. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, they were talking about how even with the base game, it was sometimes difficult for your average player to get even six people at a table. So why bother going adding seven to eight players in the initial box? Because in terms of content, almost everything except the seven to eight player rules are in this box from the last edition. Okay. So. Okay. So right now it's just six players. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I, I could see just market necessity requires them not to spend as many resources. Right. Yeah. For the, well, and part players. of the documentary was them talking about like, okay, what can the game look like if we tried to keep it at a hundred dollar budget like we did for third head? What happens if we up it to 200 or 250? What happens if we try to Kickstarter it? Yeah. What 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 did they wind up doing? Um, the price point ended up being about 150. Okay. And so that's why it is what it is. And they wanted to include all of the races that they had developed up until that point. They kept it at six players because you know if they do decide to do an expansion, they need a big draw. They kept some optional rules on. Uh, well, they had baked in how in the second expansion there was each race has its own class of capital ship with its own special rules. Now that's baked into the original game. Yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun uh, for a week <laughs> weekend. Um, and I'm going to pass around the minis because um, higher quality, higher quality because they three printed three D printed them out of plastic instead of casting molds for them this time around. Three D printing revolutionizing tabletop play. Right. Interesting. Yeah. No, these are really cool looking minis. Um, Really good detail. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of big 4X kind of games uh, in the tabletop variety, this is it. And, you know, if you want to play Master of Orion, but for <laughs> realsies, kind of, this is it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Master of yeah. Orion actually had a board, has a board game now. Yeah, but this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't played neither. I'm comfortable in saying that. Well, Words for Friends also has a board game now. Yeah. <laughs> So. Um, I was also watching just different reviews and things because, hey, I'm interested in playing this game. So yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get into how other people have played it and how they get other people to learn it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one reviewer was talking about how they're actually anticipating a Star Wars reskin of Twilight Imperium coming since Fantasy Flight owns rights to both Star Wars board games and they developed TI. Wow. So. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, that could also help new players in because, like, it's easier to understand what the Rebels versus the Empire can do. Right. right. So, um, all right. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, next shout out. Uh, Sean, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I don't often watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But when I do, <clears throat> I try to find something a little more, you know, something a bit more of a premise than your standard fan service kind of. By, by fan service, I don't just mean TNA. Fan service just means you're fitting certain, you know, yeah. uh, expectations. Uh, is there a giant robot that kicks all kinds of ass? That's fan service. Um, so, I'm just saying. Uh, As always, more fan that, service. A giant robot kicking ass, that's fan service I can support. It's the other yeah. kind of fan service that gets yeah. a little gratuitous. Uh, this, this one, it's... Looking at you, High School of the Dead. Oh, God. <laughs> just <laughs> never say that name again. <laughs> all right. Um, but... So, and I'm coming out this summer, Re-Creators, Re-Creators, um, and it has kind of, I, since I figured it'd be appropriate for the points I was bringing up and the respect that it plays with genre a bit and subgenre. Um, the whole premise is uh, it's ostensibly set in modern day, a version of modern-day Japan, but characters from anime, manga, video games, whatever, they're kind of the entertainment that's being presented... Uh, are being drawn into our world from their home dimensions and being told by this mysterious, very, you know, fan art looking character to hunt down and confront their creators. Interesting. And they wind up in, you know, without giving too much away, they wind up in two different camps and yeah, a yeah. lot of them are representatives of specific subgenres. So you have your high adventure with Mecca. You have <laughs> your, nice. I'm not going to run away with Mecca. You have, you know, magical adventurer who rides a flying horse and shoots lightning bolts kind of stuff. There's a cyberpunk guy who is straight about to fuck up his own creator because I realized that you you wrote my story and you made me kill my own fucking daughter. Uh, one of my favorite bits, though, is early on, there's a magical girl. <laughs> and you see, in a lot of anime, they, they kind of go into background destruction. The, the, the magical girl, you know, magical girl subgenre doesn't really worry about power scaling. You just throw all your heart and everything into it, and everybody's fine at the end. So this girl just unleashes a massive fucking love-love blast or whatever, and almost levels a building. <laughs> I mean, it's shit like that where they have to start thinking realistic. These all sound like Base Raiders characters. It, it gets very... It gets base <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Ross. But then 
I'm not going to give away exactly what they do, but it starts getting super meta when they start trying to experiment with how much power the original creators still have over their characters. And so without spoiling it, yeah, it goes for 20 some odd episodes. It is on, um, uh, Amazon strike. Yeah. Amazon strike. Okay. So it's, it's an interesting bender. It bends a lot of the perspective on these subgenres and what they're expected to provide. Yeah. And the characters start to develop as people because they've been in contact with our world now. Okay. So yeah. interesting. Nice. I, I, I want to watch that now. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Tom, uh, uh, basically I, I find myself oftentimes on Netflix. just like, surely there's something that can catch my attention for the next couple hours. <laughs> okay. And, uh, there's a series there. Beyond we that is Tom. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Cause I have Tom. We, Tom, we, <laughs> Tom we. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's a new energy. Yeah. And I found, uh, there's a series on Netflix called, uh, Raiders of the lost art, which is, documentary series which i love it's about you know famous art thefts mm-hmm. and uh, also not, not just that but it goes over the history of the art that was stolen and whether it's still missing or whether it was recovered spoiler alert, it probably is uh yeah some of them are found some are not some are some mm-hmm. are most aren't but yeah like they do a whole episode <laughs> on uh faberge eggs yep and the you know the missing ones and uh yeah like the night the 1911 theft of uh the mona lisa yeah yeah, it's I kind of like you know that's it sounds like a cool show. It is like I kind of like true crime, like my mom, but she's more into like serial killers. <laughs> to me, it's heists. Yeah, <laughs> I I, I kind of like. Uh, so, you're saying that you've played a lot of games where heisting are involved. I know, right? Yeah. Actually, I haven't been playing Payday Two, and I don't, I don't <laughs> like. That's more serial yeah. killer than yeah. heist. Come on, what? No, you're not killing them because they're not people. <laughs> exactly, they're they're law the constructs. They're projections yeah. of you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> anyway, know, so you know what? I, I would totally commission someone like draw me just a picture of the elemental plane of cops. Exactly. Uh, no, that's definitely going to be a base raider supplement. Uh, <laughs> I'm committed to doing that. So Raiders of the Lost Art. Uh, sounds like a cool show. Uh, I have another uh, shout out. Uh, this is actually more of a sci-fi one. I probably should have started with that one. Uh, synthesize. Uh, when robots are gods, killing humans is fair game. Uh, role-playing game by Dustin DePenning uh, and Zachary Robinson. Uh, I received a, this is another <coughs> review copy. Uh, he sent a really nice review kit. I put a, a photo up on my Twitter uh, with uh, the game, uh, GM screen, uh, USB and some dice that is a fancy logoed up box it is the fucking fanciest yeah rpg review kit i've ever gotten uh i've already (laughs) interviewed dustin about the game uh synthesize is a pretty rules light game it looks like it'll be easy to i'll i'll learn and run this so i'm not gonna okay i'm not gonna offload everything onto you sean Oh, so I get the I get the second the second string stuff. You get oh, Sean. Sean, <laughs> Sean gets fired. Yeah, Sean gets the actually sloppy. no. Uh, Sean, conspire looks like it's up. You get head, sloppy, so. exactly. Yeah, you get sloppy seconds, man. No, no, that, that, no. Is, that is no. That is definitely virgin territory. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so synthesize uh, is a sci-fi role-playing game. Uh, it's not really space opera. It's more of a greedy thing. Uh, but you know, space opera setting. Uh, civilization collapsed long ago in the wake of mutant warfare. Um, survivors. It, it's very, very grim, dark. It's more of a 40k kind of thing. So there's mega corporations, robots. Killing robots is a very serious crime. There is a cult of robots, so that's why it's synthesized. You know, uh, murdering synthetic beings. Uh, but you know, you're the people who are called to do that. So uh, you're called sharpers. You're space criminals. Uh, it's got great art. It's got interesting rules. Um, let's see. Let's see it looks nice and shiny. Uh, it does. It does look nice and shiny. So, uh, ooh, yeah. 
Maybe perhaps chrome. Uh, yeah, see, guns, guns. Anyways. Uh, oh, good. It's got guns. It does have guns and laser swords. Plasma swords. So uh, look for an AP. We'll definitely do at least a one shot of this uh, so you guys can hear what it is like in play. So anyways, that's my uh, second shout out. Uh, Dan, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, I have also watched anime because, you know, my life in grad school usually consists of work and then coming home and either doing classwork or playing a PC game <laughs> with Netflix in the background. Yeah, yeah. So one of my background watchings has been uh, Fate Zero. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, for those of you familiar with Fate. Eh. Is that one of the ones where everyone's in an MMO and they're... <clears throat> no, 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 no. Okay. This is the one where, like, once every so often a Holy Grail-type <coughs> artifact oh, shows up to grant yeah, people's yeah. wishes. And everyone's trying to get it. Yeah, and people command a special familiar that's actually based on some historical mm-hmm. legendary figure. Totally not a stand. It's Pro- been numerous RPGs and iterations of anime <coughs> and manga yeah. and light novels. And I think that's everything. on my queue. That's so it's worth watching. I mean, I've enjoyed it so far. Like it's, I tried watching it in the in an order that I thought made sense, which apparently is the wrong order because anime, um, <laughs> anime. Ugh. But I actually do like this one because they do one of the legendary uh, figures is King Arthur. Nice. So okay, cool. And uh, also, um, one of the other characters is actually my spirit animal when he goes on a on a rant about why must he wear pants outside. <laughs> so, nice. Uh, we can all sympathize with that. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Sean, um, I think the only other one I really had to drop right off the bat. Sorry, it's another anime. Um, <laughs> originally called Kakegurui, also known as Gambling. Uh, it is available on Netflix, by the way. It was actually a Netflix exclusive. Um, the whole thing about this is, okay, I will admit, it is fan servicey in the way we discussed earlier in a weird fucking way. I, I, That's a... I, I'm not sold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So the entire premise is this, and it, it, this might be more of a niche market. It comes. Somebody moves into a moves into a high school where they've got you know, yeah specialty high school. We hit take that take that marker off, where everything is based on gambling. Okay. You know, it starts off if you. So is it just like uh, Akagi only for all types of gambling? Sort of. So, only uh, more fucked up. Um. So what happens is. Transfer student comes in, surprise, surprise, and teams up with kind of a point of view character who has been put so far into debt that he is effectively considered a dog by other students. She basically rescues him, rescue dog, um, and goes on a rampage going after the highest rated gamblers in all the school. That's most of the series right there. And it follows one of those tropes that gets used sometimes, but not to the hilt to the degree this one does, where she's in it for the thrill of the fight. She literally doesn't give a shit if she wins. She is batshit insane, obsessed with gambling. One of the weirdest things about this are the fucking faces everybody makes. Because they start off like these kind of same facey, plain, you know. Anime face. Yeah, and then they start getting really excited about things. And they get it goes full on a la carte from a Helsing crazy face <laughs> within minutes. And then it has the same attitude. You can literally hear Alucard almost talking through the main character. She's like, make your bet. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah. It is just 
ex- it's kind of supposed to express more the extreme passion a lot of people get into with gambling, which I actually don't personally relate to, but yeah. Yeah. it's really interesting to see this expressed in a new way. Interesting. It's over the top. <coughs> Elements aren't in creating life or death you know, struggles. It's more about just how freaking intense everybody gets about you know, whatever specific weird type of gambling they've invented. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sounds interesting. I'll probably watch one episode. Or two it, it's I mean, again, it, it, the fan service gets a bit strong. It's a bit, a bit of a warning on that, but not like, yeah. not, not in the way that like some of the more blatant ones do. It's just, is it as bad as high school of the dead? No. Okay. It's different. It's, it's also kind of different from it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, fair enough. So Tom, any others? Yeah. Um, again, another series of documentaries, which okay. I love is a show. The BBC put out called air crash investigations. Air crash. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a series about going over different, you know, air air disasters. Uh, they've, I, don't, I didn't think there's so many, but they've got like four or five seasons on this right now. All right. And uh, I just got to, it's more like, yeah, they go over, they, they recreate what happened. Mm-hmm. And then they, then they go over the actual investigation. But uh, I just found there's two versions of the show. There's the original BBC version, which I recommend. And then there's one that's redubbed by, for an American audience. Which I don't recommend because the guy that does the American version is kind of like, like, just like, like at this point, like at this point, like the ha- like everything was in the hands of the pilot and what he did in the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. While the British version is like everything now is all left to what the captain does. <laughs> like the, the British so the British was more extreme, way more extreme. Interesting. Usually it's the other way around because I've seen clips of like nature documentaries, like the BBC version versus the American one. So the BBC, oh, and here we have the Woody Thrushbird who is <laughs> mean in there. And the <laughs> look at this bird. And what is he? Oh my God. He's about to eat this bug. <laughs> Whoa. Can we get a close up on that bug eating? You know, uh, uh, no, no, this one. I'm not yeah, exaggerating. No, yeah, the, the American one was, yeah. the, was the overly calm and the British guy. Was the like? It's like everything. Like it's like hundreds of people's lives were down to what the captain did in the next few seconds. It's like Jesus. All right. <laughs> uh, nice. That's fun. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> next up, uh, I'd like to mention two Patreon creators that I met at. Uh, I met a lot of them uh, at uh, Patreon. Uh, but I'd like to mention Bob uh, and Ninja Kitty. Uh, Bob does a comic uh, called The Demon Underground. Uh, it's about demons that are underground and they're fighting and I haven't read it yet so uh, I don't know but it's got good art uh, you know fantasy horror urban fantasy kind of thing because uh, they have guns but you know demons so um, and then uh, but she's really cool to hang out with she lives up in Chicago so she's interesting I'm gonna I'm, my plan is to do like a crossover podcast at some point and get some of them and run like red markets or something for some of these people I tried to organize it at Patreon, but like there just wasn't time um so that would be cool and then uh ninja kitty she does erotic art on uh patreon uh and she's really cool to hang out with she lives in la and uh yeah no it was just cool um so um hey guys and so that that's a brief shout out for that uh dan do you have any others no, I'm good. Okay, Sean, any others? I, I think I think I'm good. Okay, I have more. Uh, Tom, do you have any others? I am, I am done. Okay, good. Uh, you can get through <laughs> these uh, real quick. So, uh, the Delirium Brief. It's the newest laundry novel. I'm not quite done with it. Uh, I'm mostly done. It's really good. It's uh, Bob's back as the narrator. Uh, unlike the last two novels, where we had uh, his wife as one, and then uh, a new, entirely new character. 
uh, for the last two novels. So this back to Bob, and he's the eater of souls, and he's dealing with a fucking major problem, uh, and shit's getting... It's back to... The, if you like the first ones because of the spy thriller stuff, they're way more into that this time. Um, and... Yeah, it's getting intense. Uh, it's bringing back a lot of characters from previous books. Uh, the villain from the Apocalypse Codex is back. Um, it's it's yeah. If you like laundry, it's a must read. Uh, then uh, a movie I actually saw in L.A. because uh, I found out they had Korean. There's a movie theater there. Uh, movie theater there. Uh, AGV that does first run Korean movies. But with English subtitles, which sounds awesome, it does. Yeah, so I saw the Outlaws. Uh, oh God, what you, you talked about? I this. did talk about this. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a gangster movie, uh, <laughs> based supposedly on a true incident uh, in 2004 in Seoul, um, where the main character is this cop with these enormous arms. I mean, like he's just like fucking swole. Uh, <laughs> but his his method of dealing with the gangsters is to basically be cop dad to all these crime children because like, oh, did that gang? Did one of your these gangs stab someone else in the other gang? Okay, gang leaders, get to come here now play nice stop stabbing each other like literally that's how he treats them uh and then of course then the evil chinese gangsters come in and they are so those poor hapless korean gangsters can't just deal with these these chinese gangsters like it's it, it kind of puts me in mind of like stuff i was, I was over here when i was living in texas about the worries about established drug dealing rings being taken over by you know by Mexican syndicates or yeah. whatever, and how they were so much more cruel and vicious. And I'm like, yep. these were not good people to start with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so apparently, three three Chinese guys with a hatchet can take over every Korean or like multiple gangs in South in Seoul. So, so are they triad triads or like uh, pseudo triads? They're the Venom Gang. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's it's an entertaining crime movie because the main character, the main actor, is very charismatic uh, as this you know lovable rogue, dirty cop who's not. Hey guys, yeah. hey. I mean, he doesn't. He, he yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous. Uh, but it's an entertaining movie. Um, so whenever that comes out, it'll probably come on Netflix sooner or later because a lot of because I saw another Korean movie, uh, The Wailing, which is on Netflix, and it's a two and a half hour. Supernatural horror film uh, about this small farming town that is uh, literally plagued. People start getting these boils on their body, they, and then they go insane and start murdering people. And so it's a curse. Uh, and so uh, a, a cop, another uh, guy, has to deal with this, trying to figure out. And so he teams up with the shaman. So it gets into like the 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 native shamanistic religions of uh, Korea. It uh, weirdly sounds slightly parallel to certain parts of a uh, Higurashi. When they cry, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit, not, not precisely, no. but some of the basic elements they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, Wailing's on my list. So, yeah, no, it's it's the ending. I thought it was a little weak, um, like needlessly contrived a little bit, but like it's a, like beautiful cinematography. Beautiful, like there's an exorcism scene in the mm-hmm. middle with a shaman going, and it's like holy shit, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. Uh, it's really cool. So, uh, let's see if I have anything else. It, mm, nope. All right. All right. Uh, all right. <clears throat> all right. All right. All right. Okay. So I would like to close the uh, my version of the uh, <laughs> recommendations with saying, folks, watch School Living Cold. If you don't know what it is, just watch it. That's another anime. <laughs> but I, I'm <laughs> watching his face as he said that. I got very uncomfortable. I just, I just want to know what people uh, think about it when they don't know what to expect ahead of time. 
So, anecdotes. Um, we've been playing a bunch of different games recently. Uh, I must want you to talk about the captain. The captain, yes. Uh, so, yeah. in Ashen Stars, um, there are five roles for character for player characters. Uh, five, well, five ship roles and five ground uh, on the ground roles. Uh, and you're supposed to pick two of them, one ship and one ground side. Um, you know, the, and the ship ones are like pilot and gunner, gunner and, and tactical and, officer. Yeah, and then yeah. there's medical doctor, which is the same on both. Um, so, uh, but we, I'm running two groups of it, but there's only four players in each group. So there's got to be an NPC who does the other job. And so for some reason in one of the groups, uh, no one took st- – uh, Stratco strategy coordinator, which is you know the the Captain Kirk role. Uh, no one cho- took leader, so I made uh, Tom. Do you want to uh, describe it? Uh, yeah, as Captain <clears throat> Gary. Yeah, Gary. Captain uh, Gary. Uh, he is a. Uh, I zero. Ross does the voice for him, obviously, yeah. but he's essentially he's. A guy we found sleeping under a bench. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, the players are just wanting to do what they want to do anyway. They're not going to really respond to like, I'm tough captain guy. You do as I say. Cause, and I don't want to do that as a GM. I don't want to be ordering <laughs> players around. So I'm just like, yeah, he's you, you signed him up basically to have a name on the ship register. Well, apparently yeah, he knew some he knew some enough people that he could actually get us some jobs. Yeah. But it's uh, – like oh yeah you can be no you're our you're our you're our tech, tactical officer which means you're the captain yeah you find us the jobs we do and <laughs> and we'll totally obey you yeah. hobo puppet captain yeah exactly nice. it's hobo <laughs> puppet yeah uh, so that's been and fun. Uh, yeah. it's kind of fun that every time you call, every time we contact us oh hey you're not replacing me are you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's been the shtick with him so far um, yeah so that's been fun. Um, Dan, you want to describe? Uh, we haven't actually. We're going to play Wednesday. I think if we yeah. if we everyone gets together because uh, uh, holidays. I don't know, but I assume so. I- I'm good for Wednesday. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere Wednesday. Uh, so if the other players are fine, then we're fine. So, yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, do you want do you want to mention your character? Or? Uh, yeah, uh, I hadn't settled on a name yet, but uh, he's the giant uh, or the Tavik. I think Tavik. Yeah, giant armadillo people. Giant armadillo with battle frenzy. Yeah, with yeah. Battle Frenzy. And I'm the doctor. <laughs> Shipside. And on ground side, I'm still the doctor. And I'm also the <coughs> PR guy. What's the role is that? Uh, face? Yeah, I'm the face. Or the, uh, the uh, culture officer or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. 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 So I'm trying to figure out how I want to make that work. Um, especially because, you know, I'm half a ton and seven feet tall and... Another member of the party is you like... You go berserk, like, doing CPR. Lift of you! Boom! Boom! She's like, oh. <laughs> my ribs, motherfucker! Like, oh, you, you can talk. That means you are you are faking it. <laughs> like, I jogged him too hard. Yeah. yeah. Or, see, what? How big is your character, Sean? He's, like, what, three feet tall or something? Yeah, yeah you're, he's you're like a Moss Vol or... Uh, yeah, the, Mosval, the psychic yeah. little buggers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, somehow like if I need to perform surgery on you, like my fist is half your size. You probably have something like sort of a um, a trans like sort of sort of like. Okay. No, I'm just more entertained by the idea of giant ham fisted. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying you probably realistically hey, you have like some kind of thing that like some kind of mechanical or electrical mechanism which you do the surgery on a larger scale, but it translates to a smaller scale with like smaller you yeah, know, yeah. pointed yeah. Or you could just be like slap. <laughs> <laughs> Slap uh, nano bandages. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys haven't picked gear out yet, so uh, yet, we'll have no. to do that. Um, but yeah, 
Um, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, we're, this is going to be a mini campaign. We're going to do. I'm going to try and do like three, four sessions per group, so six to eight uh, sessions total. Uh, and then, yeah. Uh, after that, we'll probably do Tales from the Loop next. Uh, trying to do some mini campaigns until we can everyone schedule. Well, Caleb's kind of uh, calms down from Red Markets and. Uh, we can do one longer campaign, but I like having two groups. That's been fun. Yeah, so. we might need to put them on a couch and feed them oxygen for a while. Uh, yeah, exactly. Again, it's not your fault, Caleb. It's not your fault. Uh, and hug him and yeah, hug yeah. him and give him lots of beer. Uh, he'll be fine. So it's fine. Uh, buy red markets. Buy red markets. <laughs> buy red markets. He needs out. you. Uh, so and review and tell your friends and send photos of if you've gotten the books and Caleb a photo or post it to the Red Markets Facebook group so you can see that's showing up. So, so you can see that. that the books are actually. Getting shipped, and yeah. so his tension eases just a little bit. Exactly. No, those those have been life for him. Uh, people have been doing the unboxing videos and photos and stuff. Yeah, bring him so, back to life. Uh, but anyways, this has been RBBR episode 148. Uh, when the fat alien sings, uh, Ross Bate. Uh, thanks for listening. Please join the RBBR Patreon. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, review us on iTunes. And thanks for listening.